Well, today we're starting a brand new series entitled The Secret Sauce. Secret Sauce. And I want to start off by simply asking you a really, 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 really profound question. Now, you got to really, like, track with me here. This is going to get real deep. For those of you online, make sure you're paying attention, right? What do I have in my hand? A, a what? A Big Mac? What you know about some Big Macs? Let me ask you this question. This is going to get even deeper. You ready? What makes a Big Mac a Big Mac? Secret sauce? Is it the secret sauce? It's more than that? Man, let's make sure. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. All right, all right. Okay, what, all is, right. what is it, Pastor? Right, let us know. Here we go. Ready? It's to all beef, fat, special sauce, sauce, cheese, pickles, onions, like sesame, bun. What? Did you catch what she said? Because I didn't catch that. I'll slow it down for you slow pokes. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. All right. Now, so, so check this out. Is there anyone who knows that little jingle and thinks they can say it faster? Come on up here, sir. We got a prize for you if you could do that. Let's give him the mic. All right, you know what? Just, just for competition's sake, Pastor, we'll let you go first, Pastor. Just so that we can all beef, patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, on a sesame bun. All right, come on. Give it up for the brother. We're going to let you think you won. Because <laughs> we honor you. Amen. <laughs> you know, the Big Mac is the highest grossing burger in history. Did you know that? Do you know that 900 million Big Macs are sold per year? Do you know that 2.4 million Big Macs are sold per day? Did you know that in the United States alone, one and a half million Big Macs are sold every day? You know what that tells us? We like Big Macs in the United States, right? Like we really like them. What does this all mean? What's the point with this? Why do so many people love this burger? And I'll tell you, it's not because of the beef patties. It's not because of the onions. It's not because of the cheese. It's not because of the sesame seed bun. It's the, it's the secret sauce. It's the special sauce. You know, life is a lot like a Big Mac. Let me tell you what I mean by that. There is a secret sauce to life. There really is a secret sauce to life that has the power to bring life all together to make the ways of God's kingdom achievable and practical in our lives, to make it possible. And I want you to really lean in with me today into God's word because sadly there are too many people attempting to duplicate this secret sauce for life without looking to God. You know, if you just look online, you'll see countless recipes and everybody says, I got the secret sauce. I know what the McDonald's secret sauce is. It's this, 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 and this. And it can get close, but it's not the real deal. And I want to submit to you this morning as we get started that the secret sauce that we're going to talk about is not one that we should try to duplicate without God. We should be looking to the Lord and following this secret sauce. 
See, without the secret sauce, a Big Mac is just a Mac. What do I mean by that? It's just a burger, right? And without the secret sauce to life, to your life, to my life, to life as a whole, without the secret sauce to life, we're just like any other. We lose the unique blessing and the good things that God has created us for. And so what's the secret sauce? I want you to turn with me to scripture because we're going to answer this question that you're asking. And it's a great question to ask. What is this secret sauce? In Mark chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 1. It says that Jesus left there and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters right here with us? Watch this. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, you know, I've read this account many, many times over the years, and I always thought that the issue here that what restricted these people from receiving the things that God wanted to do in their lives, the great miracles that Jesus wanted to do among them. I, I always thought that it was a lack of faith. I want you to consider that the scripture says that Jesus could not do many miracles there. He could not. It doesn't say that he would not. It says that he could not. In other words, there was something that restricted him. And on closer review, we see that it's not a lack of faith that stopped these miracles. See, the lack of faith was simply a fruit that stemmed from a deeper root. The scripture says that they were offended. In the Greek, that's the Greek word skandalizo. It's, it's what you might draw in English to mean scandal. It was a scandal to these people what Jesus was declaring and what he was professing before people. And what's interesting is that this word in the Greek depicts one who is, uh, who, who, who's scandalized by what they're hearing to the extent that they put up a fence. They put up a barrier. Thus, they took offense at him. They set up a barrier before him. But you see, what was lacking here wasn't simply a matter of faith. I want to remind you that the scripture says that Jesus said that it was a lack of honor. It was a lack of honor. They did not honor him. I'd like to invite you today to open your heart to God as we talk on the topic, the honor principle. 
the honor principle. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to open our understanding. Lord, I thank you that even in our weaknesses, you are strong and you give us strength today, Lord. I thank you that your word is seed that falls on good ground. And that it is as your word says that in the hearing of your word, faith is come. And so, Lord, today, have your way here. We invite you, Holy Spirit. You are our teacher and our guide. We honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So when Jesus began his ministry, he announced that the kingdom of God was at hand. What does that mean? He was literally declaring God is near. He's closer than you've ever thought. As a matter of fact, he's always been near. You just aren't aware is what he was saying. And so this caught the attention of many in Israel. It caught up a stir because to them, and according to the rabbinical teaching that they had been under, God was afar from them. God only came near through prophets. God only spoke through other people. God wasn't into firsthand relationships. And so they were amazed, and Jesus demonstrated the power of God being near, this kingdom of God being near with great power and demonstration. He did this in many ways. He blessed people. He brought healing. He revealed truth. There was a release of power. There was deliverance wherever he went. And this tells us something, that this is God's will for everyone. It was then and it is now. God is still near. My friend, for you who, who might be struggling, I'm telling you, God is closer than the problems that you hold to. And so what we see is that though this kingdom of God was being announced and it was near and people were starting to get it, in Jesus' hometown, there were many who could not believe it. They could not receive it. The scripture tells us that he could not do many miracles among them there. Why? Because, I quote Jesus, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. You know, I wonder, here's, here's, here's a good moment to just self-reflect. Not to tell on yourself, but to self-reflect. And if the shoe fits, it's not the time to wear it. It's the time to change it. But I want you to consider that now's a good time to think about how many times have we foregone what Jesus was doing because we put up a fence. Because we did not honor him as Lord. Because we neglect him. Because we turn to him as the last option instead of the first and only option. Get this. This was Jesus the Christ. Newsflash. Christ is not his last name. It's his title. And so this was Jesus the Christ. The promised Messiah. The savior of the entire world. But to the people who heard his teaching and saw him that day. He was Jesus the kid who I grew up with. He was Jesus, that guy that I was in Torah class with. He was Jesus, the guy who constructed and, and, and handcrafted my dinner table. He was Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. He was just another man among us. 
You know, this word honor is a powerful word because it means to esteem. It means to respect. It means to recognize. It lends itself to, to this definition where we revere with admiration. But watch this. We ascribe the highest value and worth that is due. And so these people, they esteemed Jesus. They respected him. They recognized Jesus as a son, as a neighbor, as a friend, as a carpenter, as a man. But they did not esteem him. They did not respect nor recognize or value him as the son of God. And as a result, they could have no faith. Which leads me to an important point. We got to dig into the secret sauce ingredients. And the first thing I want to propose to you for consideration is this, is that we exist to honor God. We exist to honor God. That was a good opportunity to give God some praise. Listen to the value of this. 1 Samuel chapter 2, second half of verse 30 says, For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Get this. If we're not truly living with a heart to honor God, we're doing the opposite. And the opposite is to despise him. It's to despise him. We despise him. See, when we do not honor God, what we see from this verse is that we deprive ourselves of a life with true worth. We rob ourselves of the value that God has placed in our own lives. Why do I say that? Notice that the scripture says that those who despise God, in other words, those who do not honor him, right, that they shall be lightly esteemed. And this term lightly esteemed in the Hebrew speaks of becoming lighter, to be abated. In other words, there's a decrease in force and intensity. I want you to think of it like a water hose. As long as the water is allowed to flow, you have the full force of that water flowing through that hose. But the moment you close the spigot, the moment you kink that hose, what happens? There is a decrease in the force and the amount of water that you get. You are robbed of its full potential. The honor we render unto God determines the flow and intensity of his blessings in our lives. Listen closely. It's not that God blesses you less. It's that he's willing to, but you stop him. See, when we honor God, here's what I love about this. When we honor God, according to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, we see that when we honor God, God honors us. When we honor God, get this, God of all creation, God almighty, God all-powerful, God in his fullness and glory, when we honor him, here's what he does. Oh, no, no, no. I defer to you. Get this. God wants to honor you. The one who is worthy of all honor wants to share it with you. 
Which leads me to our next point. That's the first key ingredient to this secret sauce. I pray you're taking notes. You might want to write this recipe down. Because you're going to need it. I'm telling you, we're going to need it. The second ingredient that we see to this secret sauce is that to honor God, we must honor all. I'm going to say that again. To honor God, we must honor all. We must honor all. What are you talking about, Pastor Jose? Honor unto God has a flow, and unless we understand how it all coincides and we start applying it, we will reap drastic results. Let me take you to the scripture on that. I'm not here to give you an opinion. I just want you to consider the truth in God's word. Psalm 133, starting at verse 1, says how good and what? Okay, let's try this again. Let's try this again. All right. I'm going to invite you to be the loud crowd. Right? And I'm going to get loud with you. How good and what? Pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? Unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows what? His blessing, even life forevermore. I want you to focus in on that word bestows and make a mental note of this. That word bestows there means to command. It's a commanded blessing. So what we see here is that we have a depiction of God's desire for us as his people, for all people as a whole. He desires that we be a united people. That doesn't mean that we simply congregate on a Sunday. It means that we are a people of one mind, of one heart, of one faith, of one conviction. That we honor God. And when we live that way, when we exist that way, when that becomes our heartbeat, powerful things happen. Why? Because all the parts needed for his anointing to flow are present. And what we see here is that there is an order to that flow. There's an order. Notice what the scripture says. The scripture says that it's good and pleasant when God's people live together in unity. But watch what happens when we're in unity. It says that there is a precious oil that is poured on the head. Oil back in these times was significant. It it, it signified anointing. It signified a transference of God's power, of God's authority, of God's purposes, of what God wanted to speak and do. And so it's like the oil that's poured, watch this, on the head. So this anointing flows to a head, and then from this head it flows down to a beard. Gentlemen, this is a good opportunity for you to accept what the gospel says. You should have a beard. No, I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. But it flows down, and it goes all the way down to the edge of the robe. In other words, what God wants to do is meant to touch every part of the body. But watch this. It has to flow from the top all the way through. And guess what? That's how honor works. It flows from the top down, but it also flows upward. Why do I share that with you? Because I want you to notice that in verse 3, it tells us that there, God bestows his blessing there is where the commanded blessing of God is. 
The imagery here that the Holy Spirit uses through this psalmist is powerful because he says it's as the dew of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in all that region of Israel in the Old Testament times. It's estimated that it's over 9,000 feet high. And this mountain in particular was a significant one. That word Hermon there means sanctuary. And so here's what it's saying. It's as the dew, it's as the power and the anointing of God that flows from God's very sanctuary unto Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is a significant place in Scripture. It's where uh, Abraham made a commitment unto the Lord and brought his son in response to what God had told him to sacrifice his son. And it was there that God made a covenant with him and said, because you've done this, I will honor you and for, for the rest of of, of, of etern- for the rest of your life, through your line, I will bless this entire earth. I will give you my best. See, when we honor, so what we see is that there's a flow. It has to flow to the people, but then when it's allowed to flow, then it has to flow through the people. So let me put it this way. In the home... If you're talking a two-parent home, it flows to the husband, according to Scripture. In the church, it's your pastor. In your workplace, get this, it's your boss. Now, 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 get this, it flows to the head, but then it has to flow from the head to the rest of the body, which means this, it, the, this, 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 this issue of honor is one that's supposed to flow to us and through us. What does that mean? It should impact those among you, your peers. It should impact those that are entrusted to your care. People that you may supervise, your children. People that you have an influence over, an impact that you can make. And sometimes we fail to honor because what we do is we focus on the cracks that we see in people. It reminds me of a, a Chinese proverb I once heard of a, of, a, of a farmer who had two pots. And one was, they were both beautifully made, and he would fill them both, and he would walk down the same path a couple of miles every day with these pots. He would go fill them, and then he would come back to his village. And one of the pots had a crack in it. Small crack, but nonetheless had some cracks. And so it would leak on the journey. And one day, the, cra- the, the, one day the cracked pot took offense, you know, and was really hurt because the pot that had no cracks was boasting on how it always kept itself full of water. And it provided its master all that it needed. And so this, this, this pot was downcast, and in the Chinese proverb, the master notices that his cracked pot is, is down on itself. And he says, why are you down? And the pot says, because I can never truly do what you created me for, what I'm supposed to. I feel like I'm robbing you of what, you, of, of, of what I'm intended to do because I never come here completely full. And according to the Chinese proverb, the master says to the crackpot, oh, my dear. He says, have you looked at the road on which we walk upon? Which side of the road are the flowers on? See, you're focused on your cracks and you're not realizing that God's watering wherever you go through you. 
And oftentimes we look at people and we look at their cracks and we say, I will not honor that person. And what we fail to realize is that in doing so, we dishonor God. We dishonor God. See, if you can't honor your father or your mother, you can't honor God. If you can't honor your husband and your wife, you can't honor God. If you can't honor those among you, you, you're not honoring God. If you're not honoring those entrusted to you, those people that you can influence, those people that you may supervise on your workplace, those people that work for you, if you can't honor them, you cannot honor God. You are not honoring God. See, to honor God, we must honor all. We must honor all. Which leads me to my next point. That honor must flow from the heart. That's where honor starts. Listen to what Isaiah 29 13 says, the Lord says, these people, they come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules. Watch this, that they have been taught. It's religion. You know what religion is? It's a surface level expression of honor unto God, which isn't honor at all. That's what religion is. That's what religion is. I want to encourage you, whether it's here or wherever you may call home, if the church that you go to, if the church that you may plant yourself in, if you don't leave there knowing God more and drawing closer to God, run. Run. And don't blame the pastor. Don't blame the people. But something's off. Maybe it's with us. Right? We got to really think about that. But I want you to see that we're not called to a surface level experience when it comes to honoring God. Today, honor is mostly, by and large, superficial. It's foreign in this world. What we see is that back then and even till this day, honor has been reduced to an act. To appearances, to words, to human rules, to religious duty and obligation. And what we see is that it's false. That type of honor is false. According to the scriptures, this type of honor is not honor at all. And it brings us none the closer to a real and genuine and thriving relationship with God. Now, honor is not just an action. It's more than an action. Honor is an attitude of the heart. It's how we are to be oriented from within. You know, we can render honor superficially and say, sir or madam, and we can be respectful and courteous. But if the thoughts and the intents of our hearts are opposite of what we're doing, just know this. It's not honor at all. Not honor at all. It's not reverence unto God. We're not reverencing God above all. Proverbs 15.33 gives us an indication of what's necessary for honor. It says, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, 
And what? Humility comes, what? Before honor. Before honor. It comes before honor. Get this. The heart that drives honor is humility. It's humility. And if you want to check the attitude of your heart, check your estimate of how you see yourself in light of others. You know, uh, in planes, there is a gauge that's called the attitude uh, indicator. It's a gauge. And the thing is that Pilots are supposed to be flight instrument trained. They're supposed to be able to fly without being able to see where they are. Whether it's the dark, whether it's in the midst of a fog, whether it's the midst of pitch black night. They're supposed to be able to fly according to these, uh, these gauges or these uh, airplane instruments. And one of them is called the attitude indicator. And what this attitude indicator does is it tells you if you are level with the horizon. Now, years ago, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, uh, passed away, him and his wife and a few of his family members, because what they found out was that he, didn't, he wasn't uh, flight instrument trained. He didn't know how to read these, these gauges. And so what's interesting is that when you lose your orientation in a plane, you can be flying upside down and not know it. It's the weirdest thing. And what happened, what they, what, what they concluded from this tragedy was that when he tried to pull up, he actually went down. Why? He didn't know how to read the attitude indicator of his plane. Some of us need to begin to pay attention to the attitude of our heart and gauge are we truly, are we truly living with humility. That's good. That's good news. That's real good news. Listen, honor aligns itself with a humility that is submissive to the wisdom of God because we reverence God above all. I'm not telling you that you should honor people for the sake of living honorably. I'm telling you that we are to honor all people because it honors God. The Bible says that a good name is more choice than silver and gold. Let me ask you a question for personal reflection. When you walk in the room, are people excited that you got there? When you walk into the workplace, are you the sun that shines? Jesus. Do you come with a word in season? Or do you come in grumbling? Oh, no, guys, Monday, Get this, what you do in your heart honors or dishonors God. It honors or dishonors God. As you serve people, are you honoring or dishonoring God? See, I know for some of us, when we think about humility, we think it's about devaluing ourselves. It's not. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It, it's actually thinking of yourself less because you love God more. 
God, I love you so much that I will be your hands and feet here where I am. Listen to what Romans 12.10 says. Love one another with brotherly affection. Watch this. Outdo one another in showing what? Honor. Honor. Let me ask you a question. What could your home, what could your marriage, what could your workplace look like, what could your community look like if you lived every day in the middle of a competition where you were striving to outdo anyone and everyone in this issue of honoring them? I'm telling you right now, marriages would be healed. I'm telling you, broken places would become, would come alive, come anew, and be restored. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that cities would be transformed. Communities would be uplifted. See, this issue of honor is a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom principle. True humility is born out of a heart that genuinely loves others, not because they are better or because we feel that we're less than them, not because we even know them. Watch this. But because we understand that each and every person holds great value. Let me remind you of something. That when God created all mankind, he said he made them in his image and his likeness. So when you dishonor people, thus you dishonor God. The last point I want to leave you with here today is that when we live to honor God, we begin to truly live. I'm going to say this again. When we live to honor God, then we begin to truly live. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone does what? Oh, let's try that again. Let's try that again. Therefore, if anyone does what? Cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. He will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy. Useful to the master of the house. Listen. Ready for every good work now we got to really dig into this as we come to a close today because what we are seeing here is that each and every life is meant for something good you and I are channels for all that is good from God and it's not just good unto you, it's good through you. You are a walking billboard for the goodness of God. You are a witness, and I'm not talking about just your personal witness and what you say and what you live, but your life is intended to bleed nothing but goodness and good things and good works. Because it points people to God. But get this, in order to get there, 
We have to do away with that which is dishonorable. The scripture says this, that we must cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable. I want to encourage you to go back and read this verse on your own. Read the verses before it, and what you'll see is that there was a lot of shenanigans going on in the people that uh, the Apostle Paul uh, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to address. It was outward behaviors that were indicators of an inward issue of the heart. And Paul says, cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable. That word cleanse there is powerful because it speaks of purging. Purging. The word purge simply means to cut away for the purpose of promoting overall health and further growth. You know, I'm blessed. My daughter in love um, and my wife, who's developed this green thumb, they do, they do this whole gardening stuff at the house. And there are times when, when Hannah will say, Yup, we gotta cut this. And it's like, No, but it looks so beautiful. She cuts it on. It's like, You just ruined it. She's like, No, I'm preparing it for the next season. I want you to consider something. Jesus said this in the scriptures. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, here's literally what he says, gouge it out. He says, if your right hand leads you to do something sinful, he says, cut it off. Why? Because it's better to cut out the thing that can create an infection in the entire body than to keep it and the rest of your life to suffer. And so as we close today, I leave you with something for personal reflection. What do you need to purge in your heart, in your mind, in your life that is dishonorable? Because if you want to live according to every single promise in the scriptures, if you want to fulfill your purpose, if you want to find it, if you want to, if you want to thrive as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a friend, as a son, as a daughter, as a co-worker, listen to me. Young people, hear me, hear me. When you go to school today, there is no honor. There is no honor. In the system of school today, there are mechanisms in place that can encourage and give resources to young people where they can leave their home and parents can't do anything about it by, according to the law. That's dishonor. We live in a, in a culture, in a world, in an environment where we dishonor authorities. We dishonor police officers. We dishonor firefighters. We dishonor people that are in, 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 in places of, 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 of leadership, civic leadership, social leadership. And what we fail to realize is that for some of us, we fall into the trap of, yeah, that's right. We get on that bandwagon and we are dishonoring God. We're going to dig into this in this series. But I am telling you that living honorably is about honoring God. Let's rise here today. Let's take a moment as we close out to look to the Lord, to look within, and to let the 
let the Spirit of God begin to speak to you. We have the secret sauce for life, ladies and gentlemen. What will you do differently from this day forward? Father, tonight we just come to you, this morning, should I say, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to do something. I want you to be an open channel to God. I want you to raise your hands. Be a funnel that God can pour into and pour through. Lord, today we want to begin by honoring you. Because you truly are worthy of all praise and all honor. Because you are God and you are good. And you have good purposes, good plans. You give us hope and a future. Father, today we look unto you and we declare, Lord, that we completely depend upon you. That above all, we exist to honor you. Now, Lord, I pray, Lord, help us to walk with eyes wide open, the eyes of our heart, that it would be flooded with truth, and, Lord, we would live with honor. That we would honor in every, in every regard, that we would honor you above all, but that we would start in the very place where we want to live dishonorably, that we would honor parents, that we would honor our employers, that we would honor our neighbors, that we would honor the people in our care, those that we can help, those that we can influence, because at the end of the day, Lord, it's this secret sauce that brings life together. We honor you, Father. It's very possible there's someone here today. Maybe you've been living without an understanding of Jesus being among you and wanting to perform miracles in your life. Maybe you've never really thought about God. Maybe you walked away from the church like I did growing up because you got offended because they did something or they taught a certain way or they, you got mistreated, whatever it was. Maybe you've never known God at all. What I want you to hear today is this, that God is speaking directly to the heart and to the core of this entire world. And he's getting up close and personal and speaking to us in our hearts. And what, we, what, what I want to encourage you with is this. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to understand that I'm not talking about you becoming a part of a religion. I'm talking about you honoring God and God honoring you and you having a personal and real encounter with God every single day. It is God's will that you prosper. It is God's will to honor you, to lift you up. And if you've never made Christ the Lord of your life, today is your day. Whether you're online or here in the house, I want you to consider this. That before you could ever honor God and accept him as your Lord, he honored you. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It declares that he came unto us while we were still yet sinners, and he died for us. That's how valuable you are to God. And so if you believe that today with us, then pray this with us as we close. Let's pray this together, congregation, and support. And if, and if you're making that decision here in the house or online, if you're online, message us, give us an emoji, tell us something. We want to connect with you. We want to walk alongside you on this journey. For those of you here in the house, if you're making that decision today, we want to see your hand, not because we're into shaming anybody, not because we're making a spectacle, but because you count to God and you are very important. And we want to know who you are so we can walk alongside you on this journey. 
So if you're accepting Christ today, raise your hand nice and high. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again to pay the price for my sin. Today I declare you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And from this day forward, I honor you and I thank you that you give me a new life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We are celebrating God working in lives all over the house and online. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.